Father, in the name of Jesus, we are ready for the next session. You teach us, you guide us, you continually set us on the course of glory and faith. Thank you, my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Please sit down, let's continue. So, Hebrews 11. Let's go back to verse 33. Curse Merose. Curse the inhabitants thereof, Kai. Because they came not to the help of the Lord. When we get to heaven, many things will show up. You know, I'll say something about your faith and being a hero of faith. You don't decide which act you will do that should end your place. Because in your life and your destiny, there are things that are written about you in the books of God. A man obtains relevance with God when he is able to live out what has been written. So you see concerning Jesus Christ, you see statements like, and he did this so that it might be fulfilled what was written by the prophet. So there were things written in the books of God about the Lord Jesus, and when he lived out those things, they were his point of relevance. So the same applies to us. You don't decide which action or which thing you will do, all right, that ends your place among like the Bible says, among they that stand by, or among the heroes of faith. That's why it's important to do every single thing God asks you to do. Because it is in either one of them or in some of them. So you, when you read the heroes of faith, you see someone like Abraham, like I said yesterday, about four verses captured what he did. In fact, let's go to Abraham. In Hebrews chapter 11, He said, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. Now, check something. Go to verse, go to verse 4. Verse 4. Hebrews 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God. Now, he said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a a more excellent sacrifice. Now, this is the heroes of faith and their faith resume. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Verse 6. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things, you can see that all of them 
achieved this faith through different means. Abel achieved it through an offering. Enoch achieved it by walking with God. Noah achieved it by moving with fear. Now, look at something. Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as of yet, moved with fear. See, so he being one of God was not the faith. He moving with fear was the faith. He moving with fear was the faith. Guess what? If we were to be in Noah's day, what would have fascinated us would not be the moving with fear. Let me tell you what fascinated us. How he was able to hear from God accurately the dimensions of the ark. What kind of gifting is that? And he was able to actually put up the ark, not by any architect or by any carpenter, but by hearing directly from God. I believe that that would have fascinated us more. But what fascinated God was that he moved with fear. That was what was faith. Next one. By faith, then he now comes to Abraham. How did Abraham achieve his? By faith. So now I've told you, I've shown you how to see what brought that resume. How will you know? What, what brought his faith resume? How will you know? By what he did. So you look at it. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which you should after receive for an inheritance, all this is not faith. Why? Because he is being called. Obeyed. So what, what, is the, what is the faith? Obeyed and went out. So Abraham, number one, achieved his faith through obedience. He achieved his faith through obedience, not knowing whither he went. Next verse. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Are you seeing another thing there? What did he do? He sojourned. That's also faith. As in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him in the same promise. Next one. For he looked for a city which had foundations. Have you seen another thing there? What did he do? He looked. So Abraham's faith, he's achieving it by obeying, achieving it by sojourning, achieving it by looking. Next one. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. What are you seeing there? She judged him faithful and also she received strength to conceive seed. 17. Abraham again. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. Another faith. Abraham achieved faith again through an offering. So you can see that at every step with these different men, it was different things. So how would Abraham have known what will earn him a place in the hall of faith? It was by doing every single thing God asked him to do. Here comes Rahab. Never prayed. Never fasted. She protects the spies. She's in all of faith. So we don't decide what makes us a hero of faith. How can you believe? 
you will receive honor one from another. And not the honor that cometh from God only. Tonight in the prophetic night, I'll talk a bit about Jesus. Before we pray, we have a time of blessing. There's a lot to say, especially about Jesus. What it truly meant to be a man of faith, living the spirit life. Naturally. How can you believe? Jesus was amazing. Jesus was utterly amazing. There was no one like Jesus. Jesus stands with people and the crowd does not control him. The crowd does not tell him when to crusade. I mean, there's a time Jesus is with people. Three days he's preached to them. Then he says he wants to feed them. He feeds them, 5,000 men, women, and children not counted. Feeds all of them. The next day, the people show up again because of food. Jesus refused to feed them. They all left Jesus. Jesus didn't say that. Everybody has left me. Jesus asked Peter, will you also go? (laughs) Because Jesus knew that what was making him successful was not his members. What was making him successful was that he was submitted to the will of his father. So he was submitted to the will of the father. So if he's going to stay under the will of the father, he knows that come what may, he's going to end well. Where does, where does God want you? Where does God, how can you believe? You who seek honor one from another, not the honor that coming from God only. Will you be okay with the fact that God is pleased with you or you have to show off? See, there's this testing and craving every man. More so, it's even worse off for younger people. The desire, the desire to try to be something, to prove something. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 5. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy father possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good and multiply thee above thy fathers. Hold on. He says, God is going to bless you, he's going to prosper you, but something else will happen. God requires you to do something. That if you don't do that thing, this other one means nothing, because it's not going to happen. Verse, next verse. He says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise your heart. At this time, these people have been physically, naturally circumcised. But God said, he said he will circumcise your heart. Oh boy, is this consistent with scripture? Yes. Jesus said, I'm the vine, my father's husband man. He said, every branch of me that bears fruit. The moment you start bearing fruit, if you know God very well, the moment you start bearing fruit, you will now go into classes. You start bearing some results, you now call you into some classes. Some of the classes, they teach you by telling you. Some of the classes, you have to go through it. All to do what? To circumcise your heart. Because if God allows you to be in that level, and that place, without circumcising your heart, those blessings will destroy you. He says, and the Lord thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed to do what? To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul that thou mayest live. Why? Because if you get all those things that is going to give you in verse 5 and you don't love the Lord your God, it's a failure. 
You know, sometimes people have been blessed. Yesterday, I was, I was, I was having a meeting with the PCM leaders. A young man. I know him very well. I knew the state in, in which he was before he came to church. When he didn't have anything, no job, nothing, he was coming to church. He was coming to church. Came to cry in front of me. A job. He needed a job. He needed a job. All I told him, I said, keep coming. When he had no job, he's in church. Always available to the Lord. He got a job this year. Why are you not in camp? My job. Let me tell you, such people, what they don't know is that their job is not what God was planning for them. There's something bigger ahead. God was trying to see something. God was checking something. God was trying to see something. Their hearts were not circumcised. I told them, I told them the meaning of Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's the meaning of that? It means when you make the Lord your shepherd, what you wanted before, you know if you want it again. That's the meaning of I shall not want. I shall not want anything again. That thing you wanted before. So much so that you, God has become everything you want. You don't want anything again. And at that time, God will now give you what you want. And at the time you get what you want, you don't even want it again. It becomes just empty and nothing. You will think money is everything until you have money. Then you will know that no matter what you, are, you want to eat, you will eat. It can't pass on level. Yeah? So you want to eat. I remember years ago, I thought I was ready for, you know, some life. God blessed me. I was, in a, I was in a hotel for one week. And that was my first time of being in a place like that. Very posh hotel. I traveled. I did not pray for one week. You will think, as I'm saying, you will think, oh, I'll say, I'll pray. Ah, you don't know yourself. You don't know yourself. You don't know yourself until you have money. The loyalty of a broken man does not move me. He has no option. When he has money, that's when you know true humility. I said, God put me, huh? I said, God put me in a, in a place. I said, I was in a hotel for one week with the AC and, and, and where they put me, they said, I can order food at any time. Any food. So it is only a phone call. I was in a hotel for one week. Malababa did not come out of my mouth. I'm not joking. God moved me from there. I now went back into classes. Today, no matter the kind of bed, you might probably come and see me on the floor. I have conquered it. When God sees that you have conquered it like that, you will see those things coming to you over and over. You'll be wondering when God sees that you've conquered it like that. Because God wants you to have money, but he doesn't want money to have you. Look at the story we just read. Reuben, if he didn't have sheep, will he be in the sheepfold? Because he has money to buy pipe. So he's playing shepherd pipe. If he didn't have sheep, if he was not blessed and he didn't have sheep at all, he would probably be moved by the situation of the people and, and go and fight. But he has seafood. He has shepherd pipe. Dan, he has sheep. So he went for vacation. Asha, he has harbor. What do you think? If they didn't have those things, I'm sure they would have fought. But they had all those things. Circumcise your heart. Circumcise your heart. Shakatila masuke baya. Oh, shantakira sedaya. Hi. Sometimes God's circumcision is painful. Oh, he will mafia you, but you come out, you come out wanting nothing. You look at the world differently. It's like, Lord, you know, hmm, it's not everything we see. You just look at everything like, Kai, 
Listen to me. And I'm not bragging. They, I don't know the kind of car I will have and say, wow, I don't know one. During the days of blessing, when pastor said that they, they, they were going to get me a car, when we close, some people, you know, some pastors from somewhere, ha, Charlie, that car. I was looking at these guys like, I told you before, a pastor told me that he can never, because that time I was bringing Uber to church, he said he can never pastor this kind of church and be humble. He said definitely you have an escalate. He's a pastor. So when you see somebody like that and he's praying sun up to sundown, you can lay hand, lay leg, lay. <laughs> yeah, he will not receive a thing. Because God is not a fool. Hebrews 11. That takes me to the next part of where we are going. Verse 33. Oh, what more shall I say? Okay, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. So, verse 32, verse 32. And what shall I more say? Oh, for the time who fill me to talk of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. Samson. Despite Delilah, Samson still appeared. <laughs> Did you realize that? Yes. You know it had not really occurred to you. You know that we read that part and then what shall I more say from Gideon and Obak and something? Something appeared. Something is here. It's like it's like going to heaven and seeing your friend that everybody knew was a sinner. Ah! You too. When you look at the roll call, Samson appeared. Samson is ranked with Barak. In fact, Samson in this context was even ranked with David. Look at it. For time of film, for the time of filming to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David. Continue. And of Jephthah and David also and someone of the prophet. Samson is ranked with them. Wow. Serious. I'll give you some things about Samson. What made Samson a unique person in his generation was this. Despite the Delilah, Delilah was just a, a bad ending for him. That was just a bad ending for him. But the guy was something. He was an exceptional person. Because some things I'm about to show you. Judges chapter 15, chapter 13. You remember in Judges chapter 4, Barak rescued them. Now, the children of Israel there, Jimmy, they went back into doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Go to Judges chapter 4, verse 1. Then we'll come back to Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Judges chapter 4, verse 1. And the children of Israel again, Judges chapter 4, verse 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Now remember that by the time we were ending with Barak, he said there was peace in that place for what? 40 years. So go to Chapter 13, verse 1. And the children of the Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines another 40 years. Say, ah, you, the last time you asked God for forgiveness, didn't you go and do it again? <laughs> ah, ah, anytime we read, we read about children of Israel, say, ah, this will cry. But you look at yourself. <laughs> the same Adikrument. <laughs> another 40 years of being another. Before it was 20 years. Now 40 years. Verse 2. Now at this time, now God is going to deliver them again because God has already given his word to Abraham. 
So no matter what circumcision they are going through, they will still have to come out. So now there's another war again. So Barak's war was not enough. There was another war. And there was a man, a certain man of Zorah and the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and bare not. So you will see here that God begins a new assignment of delivering the children of Israel. It's a new assignment. I don't want to bore you with the full story, but let's look at, let's look at verse 4. An angel appears to Manoah's wife. No, Manoah. Manoah. An angel appears to Manoah's wife. And this time around, God is not going to try to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines, all right? He's not going to deliver them with an army like Barak. This time around, he wants just one person. One person. And he was going to endow that brother in a way that only him can take all the armies. Kali Masute Kaya. God is too much. God is too much. He can do it with an army. He can do it with one man. Kai. He can do it with an army. He can do it with one man. There are things that one man will do. There are some things an army will do. There are some things only one man will do. Perhaps, maybe God was tired of Reuben and Asher. You understand? He didn't want to see that again. So he said, let me call one person. So he says, Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. I want to talk to you about the Nazarites. Why was this guy so special? In Hebrew, the word Nazar means to be separated or to be consecrated. When we say someone is a Nazarite, it doesn't mean he comes from Nazareth. Someone who comes from Nazareth is a Nazarene. A Nazarite is not someone who comes from Nazareth. A Nazarite is a Nazar man, which means a consecrated man. I told you, I talked to you about consecration. There are certain graces, there are certain glories, there are certain assignments and responsibilities that can only be given to a consecrated man. Look at... Barak was not a Nazarite. He fought with an army. When he came to Samson, because of the weight of the assignment, God demanded consecration. Can God do it without consecration? You see, when it comes to God, right, he always demands a certain level of consecration before he takes you to the next phase. If you want to be at the place of maybe affecting 10 people, there are things God will collect from you. Oh, maybe I'll just collect... Maybe your morning. So in the morning, you are praying. That morning is for God. The rest of the day is for you. So you are affecting 10 people. God doesn't really lose much. When God wants to move you from 10 into 100, he'll collect more. When God wants you to affect 1,000 people, he'll collect more. Until you literally, in quotes, don't have a life. Everything now belongs to him. If you've been working with God well, you will notice this. That it, 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 it seems as though God just kept, kept making certain demands of you. In the beginning, it was just, you thought this is going to be some evening prayer thing. 
Now, you find yourself awake at three and you have to pray some morning. And you're not aware what is really moving you to do that. Now, there are certain places, they are not necessarily a sin, but you cannot enter. What's God doing? He is demanding consecration because of what he wants you to do. So there are certain assignments and certain graces that cannot be given to a man until he's consecrated. So look at the assignment of Samson. No army. He's not going to have any army. He's going to be a one-man judge and one-man army. Now look at some of the exploits of, of Samson. Samson went to a, a city. When he was coming back, he lifted a gate and put it on his shoulder. Let me tell you, when they talk about city gate, it's not your house gate. <laughs> the gate of a whole city. He made foolishness out of it. Carried the gate of the whole city and put it on his shoulder. And he did not fight. When he took the gate, everybody respected himself. <laughs> you know, people think that Samson was like Hercules. No, Samson was not muscular. Samson was not muscular. See these guys. He was a judge. All those, all those stories and videos you've watched about a muscular man, Samson was not muscular. Samson was doing it by the agency of the spirit of might. It was not muscles. Because the Bible says, and the spirit came mightily upon Samson. It was an ability. It was not muscles. So when he wants it to happen, he will shake himself. When he shakes himself, the thing comes upon him. He catches 400 foxes. Try it with two cats. <laughs> 400 foxes tie their tails together. So imagine he catches three. Fox. Fox. Not my two dogs. Fox. <laughs> two. Three. Four. He's going for 400. None beat him. I mean, look at a grace. He was leading now when he was a judge. Remember that Deborah was a prophetess and a judge. So something was not, he's not like a gym guy. Like he's always going to the gym. No, he was a judge. Who was judging Israel? Israel was coming to him for issues. He was judging. Coming, he was judging. So he's not a small guy. He's a whole political figure. When the Philistines misbehave, he just enters there. Wow. What a grace to lead a whole generation. But it was predicated on consecration. There are some things you can never do if you're not consecrated. Oh, it's not a sin. No problem. Nobody's fighting with you. But consecration is not necessarily about sin. I'll, I'll show you very soon. So you shall be a Nazarite. When you talk about consecration or separation, the first one is separation from the world. And that's what most people know about, separation from the world. So the guy was not saved. He's now saved. So he's separated from the world. So there's separation from the world. But after separation from the world, it doesn't end there. 
There's a second separation now. There's separation unto the Lord. You see, so a lot of people are so conscious of what they were separated from and not conscious of what they are separated unto. All right. He shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. Okay, so what's about Nazarite? What did God say about Nazarite? Numbers chapter 6. Takela mama. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. So there's a vow of a Nazarite. He said, Unto the Lord, go ahead. He shall separate himself, number one, from wine and strong drink. I'll explain what all these things mean today. And shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. Second one. All the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kennels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head. That's the second one. Until the, the days be fulfilled in the in the which he separated himself unto the Lord, he shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. Third one. All the days that he shall separate himself unto the Lord, he shall not come at no dead body. Those were the three um, consequences of being a Nazarite. Somebody's thinking, I have natural hair, I'm a Nazarite. <laughs> That's not it. Numbers chapter 6 is now showing you the vow of a Nazarite. Now, this one is a little different. It shows you the law of being a Nazarite. Now, in this particular one, when a man was not born a Nazarite, he doesn't have hair, let's say he's 30 years, and he says, okay, I want something from God. So, or I want to do something for God. So he goes and he says, I want to vow the vow of a Nazarite. For how long? Maybe he says for three years. For that three years, he will not take grape. He will not take anything from the vine. Secondly, he will not put, that's the wine, that's the first one. Wine or strong drink, grape vine, all that. The second one, he will not put, what? Razor in his head. That means he's not going to cut his hair. And I'll show you what that means. The third one, the vow of a Nazarite, he shall not come at any dead thing, any dead body, nothing. So all within that three years that he has vowed the vow of a Nazarite, in exchange for a certain power from God, what happens? During that time, he has vowed the vow of a Nazarite three years. But the case of Samson was different. You see, the level of your calling determines the level of your consecration. So if Samson was born and Samson was comparing himself to everybody around, say, ah, everybody's drinking strong drink, everybody's drinking wine, I'm not drinking wine, everybody's drinking wine, I'm not drinking wine. Once that starts, he doesn't know his calling, he doesn't know his place, he doesn't know where he's going. Why don't we look at the world? Alright? Why don't you sitting down there? Why don't you look at a, a lady who's probably your age or you are even more beautiful than 
And you are seeing their lifestyle. Why are you not thinking? Why, why am I not there? It's because of where you are going. So God is demanding a certain consecration of you because of where you are going. Nazareth. So Samson was born. His was not, he was already living. He says, I'm bound the of Nazareth. No, the angel comes and says, woman, in fact, that being a Nazarite even touched a woman. To let you know the level of the calling, the woman was told that she should not drink wine while she's pregnant with him. And he says, he will be a Nazarite from the womb. So as he is born like this, no wine, no razor, no dead thing. No wine, no razor, no dead thing. Samson. Samson. Listen. Listen. Someone said, Samson like women. That is why... He... Pastor B has already explained. That was not it. The day razor came, the vow of the Nazarite has been defied. They took him and they removed his eyes. Everything. Do you know how painful the story of Samson is? Listen, to let you know how painful the story of Samson is, the children of Israel had been in bondage 40 years before he came. And when he was born, he didn't start fighting them. He had, they had to wait for him to grow to be about 20 years. Which means 40 plus 20. I mean, for people to wait for a deliverer like this and for him to end like this. Samson. All of Israel was on his shoulder. Ladies and gentlemen, that's your negligence. You don't know who it is costing. And I will do what I want. You don't know who is tied to your destiny. You know, one time I said something. I said, I have been sentenced to life prayer. If there's a jail called prayer, I've been sentenced to life. I cannot but pray. I've become a Nazarite. Every time I say this, I say, if God probably explained to me what the calling meant, maybe I would have negotiated. Because it started by God was collecting small, small things. Give me just this night, this night. Pray, pray, this night. Okay, do it for five days. Say, God, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Do it for ten days. And God, so smart, he will not do all at once. I mean, Jesus did not appear to Peter and say, Peter, follow me. He said, no. Peter, what do you want? I want fish. Okay, collect fish. You are wild. Okay, follow me. Okay, I'll follow you. He ap- God, very smart. He sees Moses. He wants Moses to work for him. He doesn't go and say, Moses, follow me. No, he starts burning a bush. <laughs> He's burning a bush. He's burning a bush. Moses is fascinated. He knows Moses. He knows that Moses will be fascinated by a bush. So Moses is fascinated. How is a, a, a bush burning and the tree is not burning? He goes there. He's fascinated. He sees. When he goes there, Moses, remove your sandals. For where you stand is a holy ground. He started by collecting his sandals. <laughs> he started by collecting his sandals. I'm sure Moses thought, is it not only sandals? He, will, he releases the sandals to him. Okay. I have a job for you. 
I have a job for you. And what job? You are going to deliver some people for me. Eh. Okay. Uh, but if I go, they will say I, I, I'm not correct. He said, okay, give me your rod. You started by collecting my sandals. Now you're collecting my rod. My only tool for business. He collected his sandal. Collected his rod. Until he collected his life. Throughout the lifetime of Moses, he could not be a shepherd again. As he walked out of that place, his livelihood has been collected from him. He could not be a shepherd again from that day. In fact, God, oh God, God now renamed the only rod Moses had. It was the rod of Moses. By the time he was going, it's all called the rod of God. <laughs> God now renamed said, the rod is for me. As he put it down and the presence of God came upon it, God said, from today, this rod belongs to me. But guess what? When God collects your life, something happens. Because with that same rod, the Red Sea parted. If it was Moses' rod, it would be doing meh, 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 meh. Yes, if it, was, if it was for Moses, that's all it can do, meh. Hi, hi, hi. Hey, sheep, don't go. But when the presence of God came about, six million people were following Moses. He was holding it. He parted the Red Sea with that rod. He, made, he, touched, he touched the rock with that rod and water came out. It was now the rod of God. A rod of miracles. The rod that turned into the snake that swallowed Pharaoh's snakes. It was no longer an ordinary rod. An ordinary rod that was tending sheep now has become the rod of God. When God collects things from you, something has happened. What, what happened to that, that rod? It became a consecrated rod. It could no longer tend sheep. It now belonged to God and it was doing the bidding of God. A consecrated life. A Nazarite. A Nazarite. This is the true place where we wield power. A true place where we wield power. At the beginning, God is collecting small things from you. Ah, if God is collecting money from you, he has not started. He's just oh give give this he's checking something he's, he's you he's looking for tell you give this give this give it give it give it give it until you don't have anything <laughs> do you have something say I don't have anything <laughs> let's start okay now pray to me but he has already collected everything say pray to me I'll give you <laughs> then you pray and you'll give, eh, collect this small one let me see what you do with it and you'll do you mismanage it. I'm not giving you a gift. About God, you collected. Hey, hey, hey. hey. <laughs> then he comes again. Then now, what has happened? Something has turned inside you from my money to dependence on God. God's money now. God's money now. To the extent that now God gives you money before you can use it to even pray. Lord, what do I use this one for? He said, Rhapsody, thank you, Lord. It's God's money. What? Building project. It's God's money. But what? The money is in your account. But something has come upon it. The danger of that kind of money is that when you take that money to do another thing, it, becomes, it, it, becomes, it begins to destroy everything around because hallowed things, they destroy things around. Remember the story I read concerning David? The priest said, David is hungry. He said that, you know what? There's no bread. The only bread is hallowed bread. 
Hallowed bread is what the priests eat. The priest's life, their whole life has been collected from them. So there's a certain bread in the temple that is hallowed for them. Nazarite. So you now understand the reason why Samson is still there despite Delilah. Because do you know what it means? That all his contemporaries, all his friends, all his agemates are drinking grapevine and drinking strong drink. And he says that because of a calling that he didn't see the calling. The angel never appeared to him. He never saw the calling. You would think power is sweet until consecration is demanded from you. God demands consecration. But let's look at those three things. Number one, three things the angel said, or three things we saw from the vow of the Nazarite. Point number one, he shall drink no strong drink, no grapevine. What is that? What is a vine? Go back there. Numbers chapter 6. He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. What's he saying? Those days, the wine, the grape, the vinegar, those were the pleasures of the day. If a man wants to enjoy, today when someone wants to enjoy, what does he buy? For me, I drink Coke, so I don't know what. what any other thing? Huh? Pepsi. Series or Moe. Turkish wine. Belay. Huh? Dom Perignon. Siroc. People drink things. So, the first thing is the, the, the things of that day that is supposed to represent pleasure and normal life. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. Life is for the enjoyment. All those things, they are going into parties. They are going into this. They are going into that. God said, the Nazarite, when he bows above a Nazarite, he said he's not part of that. So Samson, all through the time he was growing up, he was not drinking it. Everybody was drinking it. But he was not drinking it. The first one is the pleasures of the world. The first one. Consecrated from the pleasures of the world. 10,000 people can drink alcohol beside me. Listen to me. I will never drink it. 10,000. I cannot be pressured enough. You cannot pressure me. I will pressure you. I will pressure you with my Coke. You will be shocked. <laughs> so you start wondering why you are not drinking Coke. <laughs> Let me tell you. People have been talking again. Oh, we want to talk about peer pressure. Peer pressure is inevitable. It is human nature. You can never stop pressure. You can never stop pressure. It is on what side of your peer pressure you are. Either you are being pressurized or you are pressurizing. I will pressurize you. Me, I will pressure my, my roommates. Hey, on campus, I pressurize them. Ah. Now, that Quiet and every day, I will, I will lose. 
they, will st- they, they don't feel bad about playing any kind of music. As they are playing it, then they are walking in the room. What you doing with your life? What you doing? I just don't want to sing any other song. I'm just, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you will join me to sing it. I don't like it. Yeah. Mm, then they are singing it like they have no remorse that they are singing this. No remorse. <laughs> I thought it should, it should be that way. Like if somebody is singing, it should rather be shy. No. And the songs, some of them are containing vulgar words, profane words, and no remorse. My head, you did for my head. Otina, 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 Okotra, class. No trust, I'm not on Tiasi, I own Tiasa. My head, you did for my head. Anofi, reset. <laughs> you, are, you are surprised at noise. In this world, those songs, you will learn it without realizing You 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 just walk beside it. You you will sing the beginning to the end. You only know your talent when they call you for karaoke. Then you realize that you have a talent. And God is able to make all grace abound towards me. That means having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every woodwork. I abound in the grace of giving. No, not if I broke it. What, what is that? Who's, who's broke? The devil is broke. Yes. Yeah. 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 The place of the world. Don't be so drowned into the world. Oh, I'm doing, like I'm saying, we are not talking about sin here. Consecration is beyond that. Because he said wine or strong drink. That means wine is not strong drink. There's strong drink and there's wine. So, I mean, the guy is even separated from normal things. Like, they look normal. Ah, your life will be boring, oh. Your life will be boring, oh. Ah, you are already boring, oh. I'm not boring, I'm a Samson. I'm not boring. I have a whole generation to deliver. Satokari Maya. I have a whole generation to deliver to God. So, day or day, let me day my day. I'm not boring. I have a whole generation to deliver to God. You look at where you are going. So you know that you are not running everybody's race. You are different. You've been called for something. All your mates are married at 25. They have no generation to deliver. 
God is asking for extra five years of your life. Why? He needs that five years to do something with you because of the assignment ahead of you. <laughs> My sister married at 23. I don't know what is wrong with me. I'm 25. Nobody. We are all not running the same race. Mora Kesa Keta. We all not running the same race. We all not running the same race. You shall drink no strong drink, no wine, or grape wine. There are some things that we are ashamed of. Are we ashamed of them? Not today. Well, this thing I was saying about me not drinking in, in the midst of my friends, it's not like, I, I was not a pastor. Did I ever tell you the story of how, <laughs> I've told you before, how I, I went to the, with my friends. So in this, my moments of consecration, that I don't go anywhere, I don't go anywhere. 25th December, I'm in my room. I probably might be even fasting. You see how I, I brought you here 25th December? Yeah. It's my normal thing. Sorry. <laughs> so me, I, I was not making a sacrifice at all. It's not normal. Guess what? While one time I was there with my friends, they said, come out. Let's go to this place. You're always in the house. Why? Come, let's go. As they kept saying it. Now I started questioning myself. Is something wrong with me? And uh, maybe I should go. Like, what sort of is wrong with me? And I started looking at myself. Ladies and gentlemen, what I even wore there shows that I don't even know what I'm going to do. <laughs> shows that I have no idea of what I'm going to do. As I went. Now, some of these guys I'm talking about are even pastors okay at that time yeah one of them was a no two of them three of them were pastors at that time I was not even a pastor but they said ah why let's go every time if you are in the house why hey I went there I was so confused I didn't know what was going on they were drinking palm wine in the camera bash some of them were drinking they were chewing meat and drinking I felt so out of place but I was trying to be there. <laughs> if it was unbelievers, of course I could have left and no. But these were also Christians. So I actually thought maybe something is wrong with me rather. But as I was there, one thing about me is, and I think every Christian should have that. One thing about me is I'm very sensitive. Very sensitive to the Spirit of God and very sensitive to demonic presence. When I get to a place demons, I will start feeling it. I'll start knowing it. I can even start smelling it. Very sensitive. So when I got there, I was very uneasy because I could feel, in a way, demonic presence. But I was throwing it away. <sighs> what am I doing here? The atmosphere was polluted. As, as I was there, my only solace was that these are also Christians. Maybe my own is too much. 
Ladies and gentlemen, one guy from upstairs, upstairs was where the real action was going on. There, there, I don't think I could have gone. One guy from upstairs, whom I have preached to before in a studio. I've preached to him before. He knows me as pastor. I was not pastor, but you know, when you preach in places, they call you pastor. Pastor! So when he came down, hey! Pastor! Tell him I never know, say be bad as. Oh! I was trying to explain. I said, oh, he, he's my friends. He said, oh, Charlie, Charlie, make her buy you drinks. Make her. Pastor. Charlie, I never know. I never know. Charlie, what time? Charlie, we for roll. We for roll. See, the guy didn't even let me explain. I was trying to explain that my friends came. It's 25th and they said we should... He said, he was not saying, no, Charlie, make her just buy the drinks. And... I preached to him. I led him to Christ. I'll see where we are both standing. <laughs> something happened, something happened. I didn't see him again. I told my friends, I'm going home. I took a car and I went to him. As I was going home, I said, what did I do there? What am I doing there? As I was going, the Lord said to me, he said, now at this time, I'm not a pastor. Some of them are pastoring. God said, where you are going is not where they are going. That's the reason I put certain breaks in your spirit. So there's break in your spirit for a reason. God is calling you to a certain level of consecration. There are some of us, we can only thrive in the house of God. If you put us anywhere else, nothing, nothing will come out of it. I don't know the kind of prayer my mother prayed to put me in this kind of trouble. There, 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 there's nothing you can, even where you put me, it will not, I will eventually come back to this. Consecration. Don't be sitting there thinking, eh, hey, God, if you are planning to do this to me too, God, when I go back, I'm resigning. No. No. My life is for the glory of God. No, lift your hand and say it. My life is for the glory of God. My life is for the glory of God. I can only live for Jesus Christ. I'm consecrated unto the Lord. Good. Then the second one is, no razor shall come upon his head. That one has two meanings. I'll tell you the first meaning and the second one. The first meaning of no razor shall come upon his head, go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, this is in the Jewish culture. From verse 13, Paul is talking about covering of hair. Then he says something here. Verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray on, unto God uncovered? Verse 14 is the point. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? In the Jewish culture, if a man has long hair, it is a shame unto him. And this Nazarite, they said, don't put razor on your hair. That means you are going to have long hair and it is a shame. 
That means this Nazarite or consecrated man has been sentenced to a life of being mocked by the world. He will always have standards that will be opposite what the world thinks and he should be ready to bear it. Jesus Christ said, the world hates me. He said, they hate me. The world hates me. Let's look at John chapter 7. Jesus said it. Oh, never live to please the world. Kai. From verse 1, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee for he would not walk in Jewry, that means among the Jews, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart thence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself unto the world. What's he saying? They are telling Jesus, Jesus, if you claim you are a miracle worker, you are working miracle, go and do it among people. Let people see, like show your talent. Show yourself what you are made of. Motivational quotes. <laughs> Yesterday, someone, I saw a picture of a motivational quote. It was a, a butterfly with a rope and a stone. My question is, where did the rope come from? To the stone. Who tied this butterfly? It's a very wicked person. What motivational quote is in this? In the written belief. Yes. <laughs> so, those so, Jesus' uh, siblings are giving him a, a motivational speech. Like, you, if you can do this, show your talents. You can preach. You can preach so well. Why are you, why are you sitting down under Basinoc? You can preach better. I know people have come to me and why are you still in this place? Why are you still? still the grace you carry is massive. Hey. Sorry for you. So they are telling him, go and do it among people. We, people want to see it. Why are you hiding? We have only one life. Show yourself. Verse 5. For neither did his brethren believe in him. When they are telling those things, they don't believe in you. They want to see if you will survive it. Verse 5. Verse 6. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. If you don't have a calling, every time is your time. Hey. You do, if, if you don't have an assignment, every time is ready for you. You can do anything you want to. You can marry when you like. You can, you can do what you like. You can braid your hair the time you want. You can, you can do anything the time you like. You can spend what you want to spend if you don't have an assignment. When you have an assignment, you are, there's timing on your life. He said, my time is not yet come. He said, you, your time is always ready. <laughs> Continue. The world cannot hate you. Once you're of the world, the world does not hate you. The world never hates its own. He said, but me, it hated because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. What's he saying? Jesus saying his presence is already a testimony against evil. Remember anytime you are among people who are not believers, once they see you, pastor, immediately, you, the reason why they're against you is because you, your presence already condemns them. On Sunday when you dress and they are not going to church, they already feel condemned. So the next thing they have to do is to attack you. Why? Because your presence condemns them. Jesus said, he said, why do they hate me? Because my presence condemns them. When they see pictures of our church and many young people are guided like that, they are against you because they already feel attacked. Why am I not in church too? 
therefore the hatred and the mockings and the scourgings. You are doing it too much. You are doing it too much. There's an opportunity. They don't want to give it to you. Why? You take it to church. Continue. Hmm. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I know what my life is about. Whatever I'm doing might be a shame to you. It might be a shame to you. But I'm consecrated. It's a shame to the world. But it's my glory with God. It's my glory with God. It might look like a shame. Bible calls it the foolishness of preaching. They think today, they think that all pastors are scammers. We are doing a shameful job now. Before it used to be a job of honor. Now all pastors are scammers. It's now a shameful job. It's a shameful job. I'll do it. It's a shameful job. I'll still do it. On Sunday, I'll wear my suit. I'll come and sit down and, sh- and, and be in shame. Yeah. The foolishness of preaching. What I'm doing now is foolishness. But it's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. It has delivered many people from depression. People who are about to die. There are people who have just listened to our podcast, who have just listened and their lives have been totally transformed. They were just listening. Foolishness, oh. Foolishness. I was doing the foolishness every Sunday like that. Foolishness. Regularly foolishing. <laughs> but in my foolishness, many people have come out of dungeons. They've come out of, I mean, all of them are not fools. All of them cannot be wrong. Foolishness. We are still doing it. By this foolishness, many have come to the Lord. Many are being taken into heaven. Foolishness. I like it. I'll do it. I like my foolishness and my shame. The shame of my hair. Eh? I've not started to raise up. I like it. I like it. I started this foolishness for a very long time. <laughs> As a cell leader, more foolishness. I was more foolish than now. <laughs> that <time. laughs> because that one, I don't have a church auditorium. I don't have a, 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 a regular base of foolishness. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm roaming. Going from school to school. Sometimes we go in the night. Sometimes we go in the night. I've, I went to St. Peter's in the night. And I'll take a car from Accra by 6 p.m. I'll get there by 9. We start the meeting by 11. We'll finish by 2, 3 before I leave. By Sunday, I'm coming back to church. Foolishness in the night. And from there, we go to another place. From there, we go to another place. We are preaching. We're preaching everywhere. Displaying our foolishness everywhere. The foolishness of preaching. Our shame. To them, it is shame. To us, it is the glory of God. It's the glory of God. So when that man was made a Nazarite, he was so different. Everybody looks at him. Everybody looks at him. Where are you going? Where's your life going to? You are ashamed. A shame. All your brothers are doctors. Only you say you want to be a pastor. What's wrong with you? Eh? All your brothers are doctors. All your brothers are lawyers. You say, what do you want to do? You say you want to serve the Lord. You'll be hungry. You'll be hungry. 
I know people have told them before. They told them that before. You will be hungry. I come there, but do. Because they've, they, they've checked and they found out. It's a shame to save God in their eyes. No problem. No problem. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll not stop. We'll not stop this foolishness. We'll not stop it. It's a shame. I will not stop it. Go ahead and lift your hand and thank God. Thank God. Ah. All right. So the second point is no razor shall come upon his head. And I said that one means two things. The first one is the shame. It's a shameful thing. But he takes that vow and decides to be like that with God. The second part of that is, is, is this. Who here, you have natural hair. How long have you been grooming it to be natural here? Three years. Three years. Is it a very easy thing to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy. Okay. It's not easy. Okay. Collect it. Who else? Natural hair. I want someone with a very long one. Who? Gladys. Okay, let me ask you here first, then we'll go to Gladys. So, okay, talk to me. How long have you been growing it? Several, five years. Five years. Five years. You've been natural here for five years. Wow. Nice. Is it a very easy thing to do? Let's go to Gladys. Okay. okay, Gladys. How long have you been growing your natural hair? Say please, five years. Five years? Yes, please. Okay, thank you. Is it very easy to do? So for me, yes. It depends on the texture of your hair, so. I feel like singing that Rubenite song. <laughs> How long have you been growing your natural hair? Said nine years. Eh? <laughs> Since 2013. Nine years! <laughs> <laughs> I've been coughing it. I've been coughing it. Okay. I want to remember the song. <laughs> Why are you sitting at home? Okay. I just want to bring you to a point to understand something. Thank you. Please, let's clap for all of them. Now, I want to bring all of you to a point to understand something. That the man has kept that hair 
for 20 years, Samson, it took devotion to the hair. He has to be devoted to the hair. So, the longer the hair shows, the longer he has been a Nazarite. I see him. So, when you see him with a very long one, you see that, oh, this guy has been a Nazarite for long. So, if he has been doing it for 20 years, he's probably going to have very long hair. It shows you how long he's been consecrated. So, it also represents that man's length of devotion with God. That means consecration also considers time. You need time to be consecrated. Your consecration is more and more effective if you have been consecrated for longer. So the hair will also represent how long he has been a Nazarite. It is more like a bragging right. So for a man like Samson, who has been a Nazarite from the time he was born, you will see him with long hair and you will know that this man is being consecrated unto the Lord for a very long time. So it also shows how he has nurtured his relationship with God. So a consecrated man nurtures a relationship with God. He nurtures it. Because the, the natural hair is such that it has to be nurtured. It has to be nurtured. It is not a very easy thing, but they are nurturing it. You can see that they are working on it. They are putting certain things into it. Combing it as though their neck will come off. Ooh. But it shows the man's length of time of consecration with God. So that's the first one. The first one is no wine, no strong, no drink, nothing. No grapevine, no vine. And the next one is his hair. The third one is he shall not touch any dead thing. That means that man does not either return to his sins of the past or his sins at all. He does not meddle with sins of the past because the Bible talks about when we were dead in sin. So death is always associated with sin. If the man is consecrated unto God, there are some things he used to do that he stops doing. He's consecrated now to God. He knows that now my life is going this direction. My life is for God now. There are some things I used to do. I am not going to do them again. These were the three vows of the Nazarite. It's consecrated fully unto God. There are some things he watches his life from, from that time. He watches his life from, from that time. His life then belongs to God. Samson, this was the secret of his power. It was his consecration. Because of the weight of his assignment, there were people in those days, you know, who did many big things for God, but none of them ever carried the kind of grace that Samson carried. From that time, God has never called anybody like that again. Because their weight was too strong. The demands were too strong. And on top of all this, he fell in love with the wrong person. 
Him, him falling in love was not the problem. He fell in love with the wrong person. The person he fell in love with was an ally of his enemies. Show me the secret of your strength. Show me the secret of your strength. With what I've shown you, what was the secret of his strength? His devotion to God. It was not the hair. It, take, it took a devotion to keep that hair. Because I know, not that they've not told me, but many people keeping natural hair, sometimes they are like, hey, let me just perm this thing and be free. Huh? Let me just cut it and be free. Hey, what is this? Hey. But then they will change their mind again. And they, they are going to, hmm, hmm, hmm. That was the secret of Samson's strength. The secret of every consecrated man's strength is the relationship with the Lord that he nurtures. That's the secret of the strength. When you fall in love with the wrong person, the person can cut that devotion. You used to pray at night. Now you don't pray at night. You are calling the person. So it is not physical scissors, but they have scissored your hair out of your calling. All the things you have built. Hey, I think I'm preaching uh, something. Yes. All the devotion for God you have built. That in the night, nobody calls you at 12. You know one beautiful thing I like about God? Let me tell you this, then we close. One beautiful thing I like about God. When you start a devotion to him, he acts as if he is not concerned. When you stop, you come and ask you, why have you stopped? <laughs> if you like, start praying from 12 to 1 every day. In the beginning, it will be as though God is not, does not even care about it. Every, you started it too. It's not he started it too. He, you, you started it. 12 to 1, 12 to 1, 12 to 1. You have been doing it for the past 20 days. Then you have stopped. The next time, God will come and ask you. Why, why have you stopped the thing? Why? There's a, something you were nurturing. Nurturing. Imagine keeping natural hair for three months and thinking, why don't I have plenty? You used to think that. You would ask yourself, why don't I have plenty natural hair? But the more time you spent nurturing it, the more it grew, the more consecration you gave to the air. Ladies and gentlemen, God is demanding of us a consecration. Because of the things that he has sent us to do. So when you sing that song, my life honors you. It means different. Be your feet. My life honors you. I live to worship you. You are the song I sing. You're the source of my joy. I am. My life honors you.
something I, I usually do from time to time I reaffirm my devotion to God and my willingness to ever live for him from time to time I do it this is another opportunity I want to talk to the Lord Lord my life is for you my life is for you do what you want with me Lord I'm for you go ahead
Oh